Welcome to the Numerologist Podcast, where we bring you a very special guest every single week to help guide you on your spiritual journey, live with abundance, and inspire your soul. Hey, Numerologist community, Rose here. Welcome to another episode of the Numerologist Podcast, and welcome to the first episode in our book club series. Um, Now, if you don't yet know about the Numerologist Book Club, let me just give you a little bit of a rundown. So each week we're picking a book from the world of self-improvement, self-love, self-help, spirituality, that kind of thing, inviting you, our numerologist community, to read it. And then I'll be interviewing the book's author and asking them your questions. So if you're not following us already on Instagram, you can head over there for more information, uh, for book, book announcements and the opportunity to pose your questions. Or if you subscribe to the Numerologist newsletter, you will get updates and opportunities over there too. Now, I'll put the link to sign up and our Instagram link in the show notes for this episode so you can go and check them out there. In our first episode, I am so excited to talk to Kristen Meinzer and Jalenta Greenberg, the two incredible authors of How to Be Fine, What We Learned from Living by the Rules of 50 Self-Help Books. These two friends and colleagues were successful in their own right before they came together to collaborate on their hugely popular podcast, By the Book, which is now in its seventh season. Comedian and self-proclaimed reality TV historian Jolenta is a Moth Story Slam winner and has held a comedic residency at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn. Plus, she's been featured in NPR and the BBC. Kristen is a longtime audio producer and host and head of nonfiction programming at Planopoly. She served as a culture producer for WNYC, launch producer of The Sportful, a development producer for CBS News Productions, as well as many other accolades. In her spare time, and I don't know how she's got any, uh, Kristen gives guest lectures on pop culture, public history and audio production at the Brooklyn Historical Society and local universities. But in spite of their successes in their careers, it's perhaps the vulnerability they show each week in their podcast by the book for which they have gained the most notoriety and global recognition. And it's this podcast which really gave the framework to their now popular, insightful and incredibly funny book, How to Be Fine. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Kristen and Jalenta. Hey, Kristen and Jalenta, how are you? Hey, Hi. thank you so much for having us. Thank you yeah, for being we're well. here. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, I just want to jump straight into it. So this is our first book club uh, podcast, and I'm hoping that most people who are actually listening to this will have already read the book. But like I said, it is one of our first uh, first ventures into a book club. So for those people who haven't necessarily read the book, could you just give me a short introduction to, to the book, the how to be fine elevator pitch, if you will? Well, Jolenta and I have hosted a show for seven seasons now, a podcast called By the Book. And in each episode of the show, we choose a different self-help book. We follow every single rule in the book down to the letter. We record ourselves at work, at home, in the world. Well, not at work anymore since we're all trapped at home. Um, And in our marriages so that the listeners can hear how each book enhances or destroys our lives. And our listeners have asked us for years now, please write a book that is all about 
what actually works, what doesn't. Uh, just, you know, if you can compile everything that you've learned, if you can tell us stuff that you haven't told us yet, are there things that are not in the final episodes of the show that actually happen? Are there things that happened in your earlier years that inform how you react to the books now? And we were asked over and over and over again. And eventually, Jolent and I said, you know what? let's do this. We've lived by enough books. We've <laughs> lived by 50 books. At the time we wrote the book, it was 50 mm -hmm. books. And let's just get it all in one place for people. And so that's what we did. And we like to think it's a great book for people who are already fans of the show, but a huge number of people have discovered the show because of the book. People have read the yeah. book because they thought it looked interesting and um, didn't even need to be fans of our show to enjoy it. So we, we hope that everybody picks up the book, whether or not you've heard of us or not. It really does have a lot of fun, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of disclosure about uh, the good and the bad of ourselves in these books we've lived by. Absolutely. And, I, and I've got to say, I actually listened to the audio book. I'm an audio book girl. So I, I, I think that, um, I, and I hadn't um, listened to the podcast before. Um, and I definitely got so much out of the book. It was hilarious. It was, you know, it was great. So it's definitely one of those things where I'm like, oh, well, I'll, I'll check out the podcast because it almost felt like a conversational sort of podcast itself within the book. Was that, was that conscious? Was that intentional? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, so basically, the I'm gonna I'll backtrack it a bit. The book we broke up into three sections, where it's advice that we've come across that's really worked and helped, uh, advice that's just we find to be detrimental, like maybe you know put in there to help like keep selling self help stuff and not necessarily help people, and then also a section of things we wish more books would include. Uh, you know, wellness practices, things we do in our lives to help keep them going smoothly or like maybe get a little happier that that books tend to overlook. Um, and so then we each took a, a subject or a piece of advice that we vibed with and just sort of broke it up from there. And then once we had all written our chapters and pieces, we sort of had to go back through in order and make sure, you know, the first mention of this book is here. So it, when Kristen brings it up there, she should do a nod to like, as Jolenta said, like a few chapters ago, or like in this section, blah, blah, blah. So we try to sort of draw that, that thread through where we, we know what the other has talked about in the previous stories and chapters. Yeah, that makes total sense. But one, one question I've got is, was there anything you disagreed on? Did you ever come together and think, oh, well, yeah. I, I've chosen this? <laughs> oh, we disagree on so many things. That's partially why, like, some of the things we took are the ones we took. Like, I love decluttering and swear by it, and Kristen hates it. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. mention it in the book where it's like, these things, again, like, nothing is, like, universal, I guess, except, like, what, breathing? Like, <laughs> eating, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, advice isn't universal, and it's, like, I share my experience with how I feel like it really helped me, and uh, I share how it really, like, stressed Kristen out, too. Yeah. yeah, and one thing we really try to make clear in the book is we're not trying to tell everybody else how to live their right. lives. We're just trying to tell people how each of these essentially their recipe books for how to live, 
how did it work in the test kitchen for somebody like of our lives, somebody like me? Yeah. And Jolenta and I, despite being good friends and working in the same field and living in the same neighborhood, we are different people who bring different things to the table and different interests and different beliefs. And so that means ages, races, backgrounds, (laughs) all of that. So, you know, something that is going to make Jolenta go, yes, this is the, this is the thing might very well make me angry. Like my cause versa. like a big rift between Kristen and her husband. Like, <laughs> yes. But they yes. like, this was so fun and innocuous. And then she, Kristen's like, we've had the biggest fight ever. Oh, no. Yes, yes. Don't make us declutter together. My husband mm-hmm. and I, we're not fighters. Except when we're decluttering. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if maybe, <laughs> is it, I don't know if it's like in Aus- like a, a New Zealand, like, or I feel like a Commonwealth, like politeness thing. But when Dean fights, uh, he gets just quieter and quieter, which I really enjoyed. And I feel like that, I feel like I could see like my British friends doing that as well, where it's like, they don't yell, but he's like, why would I put the rice cooker away when I'm Like, it's just the cutest. I can, uh, I can definitely resonate with that. I'm English and my husband's Australian and we just have massive passive aggressive fights where neither yeah. of us really talk about things. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> That's so different from me. I'm fascinated with it. Sorry to digress into fighting habits. No, absolutely. Um, I think that what you, you just mentioned about, you know, not, it's not a one size fits all kind of method when it comes to self-help. I think that's so powerful. And you can definitely see that as a theme throughout the book. Do you feel like more sort of self-help authors should be more open with the fact that this might not necessarily help everybody? Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, obviously, they don't want to because they want their audience to be everybody, everybody who has ever walked up and down a self-help aisle. Yes. So they want to be able to speak universal truths, but that's ignoring the fact that we're all different. And gosh, I just, I wish they would just hone in a little bit tighter. And I also wish that frankly, it wasn't all men telling women what to do. Two thirds of self-help books are written by men. Two thirds of readers are women. This is a problem. We don't need all the men telling all the women what to do. Have you had any feedback from authors, from the authors that you've, um, Uh, put in the book specifically yes yes we have my favorite feedback we got was um god was this like a first or second season book um season one uh, with steve and annette economides yeah the economides and it was (laughs) um america's cheapest family gets you right on the money is that the title of the book yes Yep. Best, um, best names ever for authors, by the way. Such, yeah. And the Economides, <laughs> that is their real last name. Could, like, could not, like, write that in a film better. Um, <laughs> they li- got in touch and said, uh, Kristen, who also loved their book, had done a few things wrong. And then <laughs> was totally so nice and so game and did an interview with us where we're like, so where did Kristen mess up? And they, like explained you know how they thought like you know what she did differed from their advice and it was just like the most fun conversation oh, oh, they were a delight good. they were great yeah mm-hmm. well well that's that's probably a positive um side of feedback that you that you you know you could have got because some of the books you didn't really like at all did you oh so many oh no so many of them <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, but even the ones that we don't like, we frequently get a little nugget of something useful out of, for Mm -hmm. example, you know, uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, the four hour work week. These are all books written by kind of 
a very privileged white man. Who, I would say like your typical self-help bro, like the yeah, ones got, where it's like, I know you came from like the pickup artist community, but like, did you also? Cause you all have the same vibe. Like, yeah. And, and these are guys who are essentially born on third base and saying, if I can hit a home run, so can you, but mm-hmm. you know, the rest of us are still sitting in the dugout. We don't even have access to, you know, bats or gloves or anything. And, um, there are a lot of self-help authors like that who are telling us what to do. If I can do it, you can do it too, but not keeping in mind all of the advantages they have that Mm -hmm. would go into that success story Mm -hmm. that maybe not everybody has. Yeah, absolutely. And I I like that mindset that you just kind of put out there, even the ones that you didn't necessarily like, you still gleaned something from them. Totally. And I always kind of talk about how mindset really sort of helps people, um, you know, especially in the self-help world. So do you, do you think that you went into this with a mindset that this is going to work or, or how, how did you go into it? Um, well, I guess the gimmick is we went into it like polar opposites. And that's sort of why, like, this show was my idea uh, by the book. Um, Kristen and I met 100 years ago. Uh, no, we didn't mean 100 years ago, but a while ago now. <laughs> um, and uh, we were working at a news radio show and Kristen was the culture producer. So she was the only person who could talk to me about like what was on TV or what was in the movie theaters as opposed to like just what was happening in politics. Um, and I was just the assistant and I was in charge of getting mail and we would get sent just so many books, so many publishers and authors send news organizations their books they want to get it covered on the radio uh and i would end up taking all the self-help books because no one wanted them in the news so i would have like hordes of them and i decided i was sort of a mess you know i'm a comedian i'm in i was teaching theater i was working this assistant job i felt like i was a mess i wanted to get my shit together and i was like all of these books are gonna help and because i'm an exhibitionist and like a performer at heart Obviously, I'm going to like record myself doing it. And to make sure I don't end up like joining a cult or something, I should bring along a friend who's like a responsible adult. And that is Kristen. (laughs) Kristen is like my friend where it's like she's recommended my real estate lawyer because like what even is that? I don't know. But Kristen will tell you where to get a good one. (laughs) She's the one telling me like what to do with my finances or just like she knows that you should go to the dentist twice a year. Like that kind of adult friend. So she is very skeptical and I believe uh came in from a very different perspective especially at the beginning oh yeah absolutely absolutely I mean when Jolent and I met part of my job as being the culture producer for that radio show we worked for was I was also the film and Mm -hmm. tv critic my job for years has been to look for the problems and things to poke holes and things to see what's not working and I was going in with that mindset and Jolenta was going in with a lot of catastrophes on her recent life horizon, like an apartment that burned down. I mean, I mean, she'd had a lot of bad stuff happen and looking for things that might help her to get through that tough right. time is a very different perspective than mine, which are, which is based on what is wrong with this. So yeah, let's, um, let's pick yeah. this apart. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So Kristen, from that critical point of view, do you feel like you gleamed as much from it as Jalenta or do you feel like that made you sort of more skeptical, well, obviously more skeptical, but how did it affect what you got from it? Well, I have to say that when I went in initially to the show, the first couple episodes, I really just tried to 
be myself. And to me, in my mind, myself is a critic. I am just mm -hmm. here to academically look at things, but it didn't take long at all when you're living by books that are trying to make you tap into your family history, your personal identity, all of these things, it starts to really become hard to have that distance of just being a critic. And it mm -hmm. becomes hard to um, not talk about things that are vulnerable. It becomes hard not to um, be uncomfortable and to have uncomfortable conversations. So I ended up doing all of those things. And by the time we lived by our third episode, I was crying and I have cried in many episodes since then because sometimes the books force sure. us to do terrible, terrible things and <laughs> things that are damaging, things that I would say are um, dangerous in some cases. And sometimes when we're being asked to do those things, it's hard, at least for me, not to feel the pain of whatever that is, whether it's psychological or actually physical, which it was both in episode three of the show. And it's been like that ever since. <laughs> so was it just the love of the show that kept you going in those hard times? <laughs> yeah, well, good question. I'm, not, I'm afraid to hear that answer a little bit. <laughs> or, or was it Jolenta forcing you along? <laughs> Yeah, I, I got to say, Jolenta <laughs> never forced me. What happened in the beginning, um, also, you can really see our personalities coming out in the early days. I'm somebody who, if we say we're going to do something, I'm going to do it 110% exactly as we agreed that we were going to do it exactly as the book what told I would us call, to like, do over -regimented. it. Over-regimented. <laughs> and then Jolenta and early on, she's like, Kristen, you don't have to follow all the steps. I'm you like, can if just that one makes that. you upset, just stop it. Yeah. She was like, what? And I was like, I skipped that one. Yeah. And my mindset is like, but we're a test kitchen. We have to follow every recipe the way. Yeah, and I'm like, but if it makes you miserable, it like failed the test from yeah. like the beginning, yes. from like reading it. Like there you yeah. go. Right. Yeah. And well, that kind of brings up another question then for people actually going through these and reading them, reading these books and living by the rules themselves. At what point would you say to them, okay, pack it in, like just stop. It's not working. <laughs> I'd say pretty early on, the fact that Jolenta and I force ourselves through is partly because we are an entertainment show. We're mm -hmm. here um, as content. We like to think we're smart content, but we are comedy content. Um, we are very intersectional in our approach. We talk about important things like gender, race, and class. But at, at the heart of it, we are a show that uh, is based on the premise that we are going to follow each book to the letter. If you're not making a show like us, you don't have to do the same right. thing. You can stop after page five if you hate this book. Mm -hmm. If the book is putting you down or telling you to put yourself down, which a number of self-help books ask you from the get-go, first you have to admit you're a loser. First you have to admit, admit everything you've done failure, to screw up your admit life. you're underperforming. Admit you're yeah. a liar. A lot of them start like, it's like being negged, like negging, you know? Yeah. Admit that you're terrible. Admit that you're at rock bottom. That's why you picked up this book. Write out all the things you've done to ruin yourself. And then I, the author, will tell you how to transform mm. your life mm -hmm. just by imagining it. Usually it's something like that. Right. If you can visualize it. You'll be a millionaire tomorrow and you'll have a boyfriend. And, you know, if the book is saying nonsense like that, you don't have to keep reading it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to keep reading anything you don't want to, whether it's... Right you know, a self-help book or a pamphlet or a novel or anything else. You don't have to. I'm somebody who, if we were living by these books for the show, I, I would probably not make it more than 10 pages through a lot of these right. books, wouldn't you say, Jolenta? Oh, totally. And like, from my perspective, someone who like wants advice or like wants to make changes, like wants to see what works and doesn't, 
I've just learned to like, listen to my gut more. And the ones the the advice that is sort of damaging or like that they like really sort of try to shove down your throat is one size fits all. That's like clearly not like if you, if you like learn to like tap into your gut for a hot second, there's a difference in the feeling between being sort of grossed out by advice. Like that's usually bad where if you're like, Oh, really? Or like, if it just sort of leaves sort of a bad, gross feeling in you versus a like, uh, like, uh, like, I don't want to take my medicine feeling. Like, it's a bit different. And it's like that you might want to explore, like something you're reluctant to do, but a bit curious about, or like, you know, it's good for you as opposed to something where you're like, oh, really? You have to say this to yourself first? Like, if it feels gross, like it is gross. And like, there's a difference between gross and sort of dragging your feet in trying something that's like sort of new and intimidating, but like could be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a really great message. And I hope anybody reading, uh, listening to this who are, is reading a self-help book or going down that path understands that, you know, a, a lot of people sort of going down this path already are looking for something to help them and they don't want to mm-hmm. end up thinking that they're a failure because they couldn't get through the exactly. book, right? Mm-hmm. No, you're right. not a and failure. Like some Sometimes books the book's a failure. kind of do that. And it's like, that's because they want to sell you more of their shit. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a total plan and lots of people who have like big sort of self-help empires thrive off of the end of their book sort of leaving you being like ah and like needing a bit more like and it's on purpose like you're not dumb for not having gotten it the first time or like you didn't do the book wrong or get the advice wrong like it's to sell more books yeah absolutely so do you consider yourself self-help authors no (laughs) No, I I, I feel like we write about our experiences with (laughs) self-help. Yes, exactly. Jolenta, bingo. That's exactly how I would describe us too. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I'm going to go on to some of the questions that we got from our community um, because we put this out um, to our audience who have read the book and they wanted to ask you some questions. So the first question is, how did you choose the books in the first place? Oh, it varies. So yeah, first season, we really wanted to, uh, our debut episode, our pilot episode was The Secret, because we kind of saw that as the mother of all self-help books. And we chose a lot of books in the first season that we knew had brand name recognition, like heavy the hitters. Magic of Tidying Up, The Heavy Hitters, and also ones that I guess some people would call them stunt books, like books that really require something extreme out of us. Um, you know, throwing out half we own, half of everything we own for the life-changing magic of tidying up or um, the finale. French women don't get fat. Yep. And the finale episode for season one, which was how to write an ebook in less than seven to 14 days that will make you money forever. So we each had to write a novel in less than two weeks as the finale episode of season one. So season one was really about those big stunts, those heavy hitters and so on. And then subsequent seasons, a lot of the books are nominated by the listeners or will choose themes for different seasons. Like right now, season seven, all the books are about hearth and home. And that's everything from cooking and raising plants to feeling a sense of home wherever we live at a time where we can't leave our homes right now. Mm-hmm. And also, or like discussing race in the home. All yes, sorts of, all exactly. sorts of homey home. home <laughs> yes. So the next question is, what kept you going? And we've talked about what kept you going through the individual books, but let's talk about what kept you going to the next book and the next season of the podcast. I think for me, it's once we, once I sort of 
stopped thinking of it as like purely my own experience, <laughs> which sounds so selfish. But once I sort of like got got a bit of a, a head on my shoulders and this started feeling more like a job rather than an experiment on myself, uh, the idea that Kristen sort of came up with about us being like the test kitchen is really what kept me going because there's such big communities devoted to these people and specific authors and they they take on sort of like a guru uh you know vibe and like we want to see if we if we apply this to our everyday lives like does it actually work or like are some people sort of conning us Mm -hmm. and I gotta say also I think what keeps Joel and I going is we have such an amazing robust community of listeners and they are constantly in communication with us, with each other. Our Facebook community has about 15,000 people, some of whom log on many, many times a day to talk to each other, to ask each other for advice, to share resources, mm-hmm. uh, who email us. They email us constantly, who <laughs> respond to our tweets, who follow us on Instagram. And these listeners are, I just got to say, so unusual because my understanding is most Facebook communities, by the time they're our size, tend to get pretty toxic and implode. But mm-hmm. Our people are pretty fantastic. I got to give it to them. It's the nicest Facebook group I've ever been in. And it's wild. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I was saying, like the discussion that keeps going and sort of watching these listeners like have their own discoveries and stuff makes us want to be like, wait, we want to keep doing that. Like, Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's actually um, brings me back to the question about, do you consider yourself self-help authors? Because perhaps you're not self-help authors per se but the community that you've built around this book and the podcast is a sort of self self-help type community which is pretty cool yeah but it's a little bit different in that self-help tends to be so lonely and navel gazing in some ways it's really an individual journey it's just you and mm. a book and i like to think that what we've done based on what i observe on the facebook community right is it's not so individual. It becomes more collective. It becomes about people helping people. It becomes uh, less people having cyclical uh, anxiety thoughts about, you know, staying up at night. Did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? I'm going to read this book that talks about everything that I do and wrong. Like and like discussions on like the moral implications, like on either side of like a certain yes. self-help book. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so moving it beyond just the, you know, damaging self-centered anxiety of an individual and moving it beyond that it's something that we we really are grateful for that that's happened with Mm -hmm. our listeners and it's something that on our show we try to make sure we're doing that too we don't want it just to be our own insecurities every single episode all the time hopefully not I'm I'm sorry I can't always deliver that but (laughs) I would say it goes the other way too there are some times where I live by a book I've heard about forever and I feel like such a failure because I'm like this is going horribly and then the listeners are like oh this book we all think it sucks I'm like oh I thought the general consensus is that this book was (laughs) life-changing like so it goes both ways too yeah do you announce the book whilst you're doing it so your uh, your community can follow along too? Yeah. We so the, yeah. Uh, uh, the week before. So the way our show works is every two weeks we, re- we release a full episode of the show where we are fully living by the book. That episode is usually around 50 minutes, between 45 and 50 minutes. And then in between those weeks, we release a mini-sode 
where we follow up and say what we've been up to. We answer listener mail because we get so much listener mail and we announce the next about what we messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of those. And then during that mini episode, we announce what the next week's book is. So a number of our listeners have written to us and say, we're so glad you tell us the week before what the book is because then the minute they hear the book, they start reading it at home too. So that some they read can... along, some just mm-hmm. research a bit, some know yep. like, oh, I hate that book so much. I don't even know if I'll listen. <laughs> some, some get really excited and like post on the Facebook group. Like, I hope you don't like hate my favorite book of all time, please. Oh my gosh, don't hate it. Like, <laughs> it's why? Does that give you added pressure? Oh uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to like sort of experiment with things that people hold dear. Um, so you, yeah, but it's also like fun and I think necessary. Well, it, yeah. it, it brings us back to that whole point about there's no one size fits all, right? It might've right. been your life changing book, but for you guys, it might've been. Eh. Yeah. yeah. For some people it's meditating for other people. It's throwing out half their belongings or hopefully donating them somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you never know. Like uh, very recently, we lived by Jamie Oliver's Five Ingredients and somebody essentially wrote in saying this is the fact that you would even say anything bad about this book made me turn off your show. And so um, you never know. People feel very strong relationships with their self-authors with yeah yeah, with with uh methods of like Mm self-soothing and like it's very it's a very personal experience Mm. so it's interesting and like sort of scary to dissect sometimes yeah (laughs) I bet all right the next question is are there things in the things that work section that you've implemented into your lives moving forward and also I suppose the things that you wished were recommended by more books are they implemented in your life too Oh yeah, both of those. Um, totally. I mean, one thing that Jill Lent and I talk about that one thing we wish more self-help books would talk about, very few talk about, are um, uh, seeking out mental health professionals, whether those are you know therapists, psychiatrists, uh, what have you. Jill Lent and I have both sought out mental help uh, mental health professionals um, at various points in our I lives. I literally for had of- therapy right before this call (laughs) and in this chair right here (laughs) yeah this is one of those things that we're not just saying oh everyone should see a therapist because you know these books aren't good enough we're saying that because both of us have benefited to something like this isn't in books a lot but it sure has gotten us through a bunch of messy stuff yeah and I even feel the same way where it's like Kristen wrote about uh like just how she does work and like sort of breaking it into chunks more and like I've started doing that more since like reading her drafts a bunch oh yay sometimes (laughs) all you gotta do is force yourself to do something for three minutes and it's true it's literally true and you may surprise yourself and 15 minutes later find like oh it's 15 minutes later I'm still doing it Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes it's just the starting that's the bad part right yeah totally totally and I've, I've got to say thank you to you guys for uh, listening to your um, to your audio book. I actually booked in to see um, a therapist myself. So I went to therapy Yay. yesterday oh my for God. the first time. No um, way. Yeah. Was, I, I'm sorry. I know it's your no, show, it, but what it, was it like to go to therapy for the first time? Um, daunting, I would say, yeah. um, at first. And then, you know, I, I think you, you go to this session and you think, I don't, what am I going to talk about? What, you know, and they're obviously a professional who, who right, right. you know, sort of um, gets what, you know, gets out of you. 
And I just found myself like blah, 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 just talking and talking and talking. And by the end of the session, I don't, I couldn't shut up. And I just came out feeling like, you know, obviously it's not a one one session and I'm fixed type thing. Um, but it, it's, I would definitely say that that piece of advice is something that, you know, people should should definitely listen to because I have personally benefited from it. No way. Yay. I feel like oh, it's always so worth a shot. <laughs> yes. I do always like to remind people though, it's okay if, you see a therapist and they're not a good fit for you. Totally, sometimes, totally. Sometimes your therapist is not a good fit and you can find another therapist who is a good fit. You know, um, just like a self-help book, it's not one size fits all. Absolutely. All right, so the next question is, what did you think about the spirituality-based books you read? Were they more or less helpful than the others? <laughs> I feel like I love them and I think it's just truly how I was raised. Like I was raised in Portland, Oregon in like the 80s and 90s. So I, you know, like went to lots of crystal shops and like my mom's always been into tarot. So like I feel just a connection to that kind of stuff. And for me, I feel like it's sort of a fun, like almost for me, it's almost like a way to distract you into like actually doing some self-reflection you know like the tarot cards say like what you need to work on that's like clearly on your mind you know and it's sort of a or like they give you a nice like daily affirmation without you getting it from like a list in a self-help book Mm -hmm. that's my feeling about it I do not know how Kristen feels oh you know Jola I know know how she feels I just will not speak for her how's that I, I just feel a lot of times these spiritual books are, for me, I feel like they're decontextualizing and, um, you know, appropriating somebody else's culture and then repackaging mm. it and trying to sell it back to, frankly, white women who yeah. are looking for some version of identity or uniqueness, something that uh, can put them in a certain category. And um, whether it's astrology or some other spiritual type Um, I understand a lot of people feel more comfortable in the world with things being neat and categorized and Mm. uh, they feel more in touch with uh, their own feelings or with other people if they can use those categories, if they can have certain rules, much like any other religion gives them, but they don't like other kinds of organized religion. But I think a lot of the spiritual books are just, you know, they're problematic for all of those reasons because uh, they are trying to turn something that's very messy, which is love and feelings and humanity and humans and and try to overly simplify it and then oftentimes in the process you know appropriating other people's culture at the same time so I tend to feel very icky when we live by those books I feel like mm-hmm. itchy <laughs> I feel like yeah uh, we shouldn't for comedy pretend to be like every time yeah yeah I, I always feel like I'm taking someone else's religion that was repackaged in a bad way and sort of sold at urban outfitters and now mm-hmm. I'm living by it for comedy and it feels weird so mm-hmm. I don't really like it um a lot of our listeners love those episodes the most though when we lived by our astrology book um I don't know if we've ever gotten so much feedback in our lives about you know oh but I'm this sign and Kristen the reason why you don't like the books is because you're that sign and then Jolenta <laughs> obviously you're driving with me because we're the same sign and we got so much feedback from people who genuinely felt that astrology made their lives better and it didn't matter um that you know science wasn't on their side it didn't matter mm-hmm. that you know a lot of the book that we live by the particular astrology book we live by had a lot of problems mm-hmm. and yeah, it was people a bit still defended it yeah um so 
yeah, I don't want to bemoan anybody else getting something out of those spiritual books we live by, but yeah, they generally don't sit very well with me. Mm-hmm. Now, this this question we we kind of answered um, in in the previous section, but it's do you think self help books should come with a disclaimer? Yes. <laughs> Here's my theory. Here's what I come up with. Like I came up with a compromise in my mind, um, which is when we read. Um, what's Dan Harris's book? Shoot. Oh, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics? Yes. When we read Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, what I loved is like, it did not, like, Kristen and I both do not like meditating very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I loved about the book is Dan Harris, just in black and white, writes about how he knows he is privileged to have the time to even experiment with this. He He writes in the book, he was born on third base. And just... Like that, you know, sort of three paragraphs of self-awareness made me so much more open to the advice. And I think made the advice seem much more about like, it's about what I want to do with it. Here's what a guy in his position did with it without sort of spelling it out. Like this Mm -hmm. advice isn't for everyone, but just if you can contextualize it with enough self-awareness to be like, not everyone comes from my walk of life or is aiming for like my station in life who picks up this book. And I feel like that awareness is missing a lot. Mm-hmm. And just popping in that would be a huge difference for me as a reader. Yeah. Now, since you wrote the book, this is the next question. Since you wrote the book, is there anything you feel you'd change or any learnings from other books you'd like to add? Yeah. Um, I do wish that we wrote the book, um, when we were only in the very early stages of living by what we call our history season, we lived by historical self-help books starting from the 1930s to the 2000s. And we chose a self-help bestseller from each of those decades. And we had a historian come on and contextualize the books for us. And because we were only in the early stages of production on that season, we didn't really go into those books very much in how to be fine. And if, if we had timed things differently, I would have loved to have talked about some of that history. And I would have mm-hmm. loved to have yeah, talked about- Yeah, I love that kind of history stuff. Yes, yes, absolutely. And some of the things that were even being written about in the 1930s that you see over and over again in- Yeah, like the amount of times you see like the stuff and how to win friends and how to make friends influence and win friends people. and influence people that like is repetitive. <laughs> how to win like... friends and influence, yeah. Like you guys, the secret to not come up with like, think it and it will come. (laughs) Yeah. So would, with with that in mind, would that have changed what you had in the sections or do you think it still would have been the same, but just with a bit more, you know, context about, you know, the historical types of things? I think think I would the same. I think a lot of it would be the same, but I think I would maybe tweak some of it a little bit. Like I, I sometimes think I would have had a chapter in the book called be like a dog because in how to win friends and influence people that's oh my gosh yes that dale carnegie says all the time is be like a dog dogs are always excited to see you dogs are forgiving dogs they are tainted by like all their memories yeah yeah and um treat the people you love the way a dog would treat you and i think about that all the time I should be thrilled when somebody I love walks in the door, not mad and mm-hmm. like, oh, you're two minutes late. And, and, and like, I like I'm stressed about, about this. It doesn't matter if you're here. Yeah. And I can talk about those things with them. But if that's the first thing out of my mouth, the minute I see them, 
that's not going to open up the conversation to, mm. you know, a productive place or a loving place. Or like so, make a happy memory. Yeah. So try to open things with love first and then you can get to those other things. Be like a dog. That's a I good like one. It. All right. That's a great one. <laughs> Vision two. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, so now I've got some the, the kind of long questions. So let me just ask this one. So did you find it difficult to write? And in that, I mean, actually putting the words on the paper. To me, it, I felt like there were a few times where it seemed like you were really careful about explaining what you meant versus what you didn't mean and making sure you were acknowledging the diversity of your audience and not generalizing. Um, and then with the dear Kristen Jagilinta at the end, it was almost like you had to justify yourselves. Was this conscious? Mm. We wanted to make sure we could bring in more perspectives than just ours in the book. And so we wanted to have uh, the, the sort of like general responses we got back when, when we got pushed back and make sure those voices are represented. Because like we, we aren't all people and like self-help isn't one size fits all. And like, you know, for every person who loves a thing, there's another person who can tell you why it's like a bad thing or like why they don't love it. And so we just wanted to make sure we brought in other experiences and other voices. And we also didn't just leave them hanging. Like, here's our thought. And here's like a person who like shit on it. So we <laughs> wanted to make it a bit of a conversation and be like, you're right. That makes total sense. Like, in our opinion, this is why we still have our opinion. But like, thank you. So it's just we wanted to bring in other opinions and also like not leave them hanging I feel like so we always wrote back to the letter and like that is also how our mini episodes tend to go mm -hmm. we live by a book we put it out there we get a response and then we sort of have a conversation with that response so it's also uh, just similar format to what we always do yeah yeah and I think again and I know I keep saying this but that goes back to the whole no there's no one size fits all and sort of acknowledging that mm -hmm. there's, there's a different way for each person right right yes. right so the next question is for Jalenta. Jalenta, I I, I'm a comedian or trying to be, and I often <laughs> mask my feelings or use comedy as a coping me mechanism. Did you ever do this on this journey? Oh, yeah. No, it's like all I do. It's like what I'm in therapy for still. It's like <laughs> what I'm doing right now with my tone of voice, making this a joke because I don't want to talk about how sad I am. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's a constant battle. And it like took me so many years to even realize like this, why I'm in comedy, like, duh. Um, yeah, it's like a, it's a huge struggle for me. Sincerity without it being in the form of like a self-deprecating joke is very difficult for me. And I struggle with it literally every day. Yeah. Now I've got one for you too, Kristen. Good. Uh, thank God. <laughs> Kristen, during the intro, you mentioned about being a relatively happy person, a resting jolly face. Um, <laughs> but, but then you discussed the traumas of your life. It absolutely hit me that in spite of the things in your life before even setting out on this journey, you were already inherently grateful for what you did have. Do you think people need to embark on, on a self-help journey with a certain mindset of like that already? Oh, mm. gosh. Well, I don't want to tell people what they have to do or don't have to do. But I do often think that um, our world, uh, our culture in America, it sometimes wants us to focus too much on the bad stuff, on why we're too ugly, on why we're too fat, on why we're too old, on why we said the wrong thing. On why and we didn't get I, that job. Yeah, exactly. All of those things. And I feel that that's what we do already so much of the time. And there's a book that we lived by called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Dr. Shad Helmstetter. 
And he has some stat in there, like we say 10,000 bad things to ourselves every day. It's, it's some sort of insanely high number of things. And so I do think that we would benefit if maybe we spent a little bit less time talking about how bad we have it and how horrible we are and how useless we are. And if maybe we spent a little more time being thankful for the things that actually are, are fine. The things that like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so grateful that I get to talk with you today. What a gift is this that we have technology where you're on the other side of the planet and that you chose to wake up at five in the morning, Thank your you. time to talk to us. This is such a gift. If, if I wanted to, I could have a different mindset. Like, Oh God, got to do another believe- thing today. Like, what if the internet so- doesn't work. It didn't work last time. I don't worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you know, I'm not saying to deny the things that are tough in life, but I think that the world frequently wants us to focus more on the bad stuff mm-hmm. than is helpful mm-hmm. or than is productive. Um, there's so much we all have to be grateful for. And when we focus more on what to be grateful for, I also think we are able to focus more on preserving those things and cherishing and taking care of those things, whether it's like the beautiful flowers outside my apartment. It's like, of course, I want to take care of the world. I don't want that to go away or a beautiful friendship that I have. You know, I want to cherish that. Jolenta, I want to tell you I love you and I'm grateful for you. I don't want that to just evaporate. And um, yeah, so I I do think that's probably helped my mindset. And if other Mm -hmm. people did that more, maybe it would help their mindset. Again, don't want to be totally prescriptive though. Everyone do Mm -hmm. what they need to. (laughs) You're you're beautiful and you're lovable and you don't Mm -hmm. need to beat yourself up. Yeah. And I, I think it's even number like the third one in the things that works is practice gratitude. Right. So it's, it's definitely a big, a big part of this, um, this whole book in any way. Yeah. I mean, it helps me. I have been told by some people that focusing on gratitude makes them feel lousy. Jolenta, when we lived by the gratitude book at certain points, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but there's um, also so- no denying that like sometimes being grateful, like it literally enhances my mood, even when I don't want it to. Like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now we're running out of time. So just to wrap up, I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, and this is how would someone go and choose a self-help self-help book? Would they have to read 50 books to discover what works for them? <laughs> oh, that's so hard. Part of me wants to say, especially when it comes to self-help book, like judge it by its cover. Like <laughs> marketers know what they're doing. If you're like, Ooh, I'm really drawn to this. Like try it, thumb through it. Also, maybe if you're drawn to something, I would like read author bios and see who you like, like, cause sort of picking a self-help book, is like saying like, who do I want to look up to? Cause self-help authors are just saying, here's like this one part of life that I obsessed over and like theorized over and like, think I've hacked to like make us happier. So it's like, who do you want to go on that journey with? Yeah, I, I really like that advice. And again, just, you know, whatever book you're picking up feel free as you're paging through books in the bookstore to put it down after five pages if you want to, then go to the next book that jumps out at you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to throw your whole self into every book, even if other people you know love it. Even, even if, if Oprah's people, telling you to read it. Yeah, even if Oprah tells you to read it, you don't have to read every bestseller. You don't have to read every book or like every book. Um, yeah, what jumps out at you? What speaks to you? Who actually might seem like a charlatan? you know, keep your ears perked up for that too. There are definitely lots of charlatans out there. You don't have to listen to the charlatans. Excellent. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. It's been a great podcast. Thank you so oh, much, this Rose. Has been this lovely. has been so much fun. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Numerologist Podcast. If you loved it, make sure you subscribe and don't forget to check the show notes for an extra special free gift.